What's up, Coming Close fam? My name is Celeste, and I'm the host of the Coming Close podcast. We are so excited for episode 11 of the podcast. When I tell you this podcast had everything against it, I am not lying, which is actually kind of funny because of the name and the topic. So talk about living out your message. So last week, not only was I under the weather, but my AC was out. And can I just tell you, this Texas heat is no joke. But on a gratitude note, I'm thankful that I was able to be home even if I was sick so that the AC people could come get into my house. And honestly, it was pretty breezy outside. So when I wasn't resting, I was up, had my front and back door open. So it honestly wasn't terrible. But I just knew that episode 11 couldn't be all that we wanted it to be. And so we were like, hey, let's push it back one week. And so we're so excited for episode 11. We can't wait. We know it's going to be an encouragement to you. And so let's dive in. On this episode, we are going to be talking about offense. Now, we aren't talking about offense, but offense. Offense is the team or players who are attempting to score or advance the ball. In sports, the condition of possessing the ball or being on the team attempting to score. Did you know, as believers, we were given a playbook and every play in that book leads us to victory? That's right. You and I were destined for victory. Now, whoa, whoa, whoa. Don't get your britches in a wad if you say, my life doesn't look very victorious. Friends, can I tell you, we may need to pick up the playbook and relearn the route to victory. What if I told you your victory is on the other side of your faith or belief? If any of you have ever played sports, how you go into the game highly determines the outcome of it. You see, for me personally, I played soccer for 12 years and I was a goalkeeper. It was one of the hardest yet most rewarding positions to play. I remember every night before the game, we would warm up. I tried my best not to focus on the opposing team and how well maybe their forwards were shooting or if the goalkeeper was really good or maybe struggling. I tried not to focus on what the opposing team was doing while we were warming up. During warmups, I prioritized the drills we were practicing, the saves I was making, and encouraged confidence in myself from times where I had previously made good plays. And this encouraged my head and heart to be focused and confident and ready for the next 80 to 90 minutes of the game. You see, but there were times and nights where when we would warm up before a game and I was practicing, I did the complete opposite. This really affected my demeanor and attitude going into the game. You see, on these nights during warmups, I was constantly focusing on the shots the forwards were easily taking on the opposing goalkeeper, thinking that's gonna be me, they're gonna get all these goals in. Or I wasn't prioritizing the drills we were working on because I was in my head, I was beating myself up. Or I was fighting for confidence, remembering all the times I'd missed a save and that really affected me going into the game. I lacked confidence and I wasn't ready. I didn't have a winning mindset. I was literally fighting defeat and we hadn't even started the game. And so you may have heard it before, but it's never been more true. As a believer, we fight from victory, not for it. 
You are on the winning side. Stop playing defense and play offense. The ball is already in your court. It's time to finish the game with a win. What do I mean? Well, I want to share a couple of stories in the Bible with you of heroes. They probably didn't see themselves as heroes then that played offense in life's battles. But before I do so, we have to know the playbook of our lives is the Bible. There are scriptures upon scriptures, stories upon stories that will lead us to victory if we will focus on them, prioritize them, and have faith in our heart and head, not for the next 80 to 90 minutes, but for a lifetime. Imagine the stories written in the Bible. David, didn't have a playbook in the Bible. He had a relationship with the Lord. This will be required of us to live from a place of victory and not for it. So the first story we're going to be talking about is the story of David and Goliath. If you have your Bible, you can turn to 1 Samuel chapter 17 verse 3. The Philistines occupied one hill and the Israelites another with the valley between them. We're going to skip down to a couple verses, but basically Goliath, a giant, stood seven feet ten inches tall and told the Israelites to send someone to fight him. 1 Samuel chapter 17 verse 12. Now David was the son of an Aphrodite named Jesse, Bethlehem in Judah. Jesse had eight sons and in Saul's time he was very old. Jesse's three oldest sons had followed Saul to the war. The firstborn, the secondborn, and the third. David was the youngest. The three oldest followed Saul. But David went back and forth from Saul to tend his father's sheep at Bethlehem. So basically you have the three oldest who are going with the king Saul to fight in the war but the youngest is going back and forth um, helping his dad and tending to the sheep in Bethlehem, but also helping Saul from time to time. For 40 days, the Philistine came forward every morning and evening and took his stand. Verse 17, now Jesse said to his son David, take this ephod of roasted grain and these 10 loaves of bread for your brothers and hurry to their camp. We're going to skip down a little bit. First Samuel chapter 17, verse 32. Now David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. So basically, let me catch you up to speed between verses 17 and 32. So David's dad, Jesse, commanded him, go take food to your brothers and Saul. And so he's headed down there. And when he gets there, he's hearing everything that's going on. <laughs> like this one man is threatening them. And so David is about to enter the scene. So let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. This is David talking. Verse 33, Saul replied, you are not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You were only a young man and he has been a warrior from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it struck it and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it and killed it. Verse 36, your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. You guys, David was not playing any games. I'm sure he's thinking enough is enough. Like put me in coach. So this story continues and David took five stones in his sling and he's 
about to go after this giant and save the Israelites. 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 45. David said to the Philistine, You come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. You see, David had confidence that the Lord saved him from a bear in a line. He can surely save me from this giant. David lived his life on offense, on the winning side, confident that he was going to win, but it took diligence. So all that to say, to wrap up that story, is David took these five rocks in a sling and slayed this giant, y'all, knocked him out, and then cut his head off. Like, bye, Goliath, see. David went into this with confidence. He was only confident because he was prepared. He was faithful with what he was given, tending the sheep, conquering the bear and the lion. And so David had a mindset of offense. He was going to win no matter what. And the Lord was on his side. He had confidence. So the next story we're going to talk about is Daniel in the lion's den. I just want to encourage you. These stories should be building your faith and giving you confidence that you too can win no matter what your circumstance. So to be continued, Daniel was one of three administrators in King Darius's kingdom. Because of Daniel's exceptional qualities, the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. The satraps and administrators tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel, but they were unable to do so. So now we're going to jump into scripture, Daniel chapter 6 verse 4, and it says, They could find no corruption in him, because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. Verse 5, finally, these men said, we will never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel, unless it has something to do with the law of his God. Verse 6, so these administrators and satraps went as a group to the king and said, may King Darius live forever. The royal administrators, prefects, satraps, advisors, and governors have all agreed that the king should issue an edict and enforce the decree that anyone who prays to any god or human being during the next 30 days, except to you, your majesty, shall be thrown into the lion's den. Verse 8. Now, your majesty, issue the decree, put it in writing, so that it cannot be altered in accordance with the law of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be repealed. So King Darius put the decree in writing. Now, when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, give thanks to his God, just as he had done before. Then these men went as a group and found Daniel praying and asking God for help. Verse 12. So they went to the king and spoke to him about his royal decree. Did you not publish a decree that during the next 30 days, anyone who prays to any God or human being except to you, your majesty, would be thrown into the lion's den? The king answered, The decree stands in accordance with the law of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be repealed. Then they said to the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, your majesty, or to the decree you put in writing. He still prays three times a day. Y'all stay with me. It's good. It's good. Verse 14. When the king heard this, he was greatly distressed. He was determined to rescue Daniel and made every effort until sundown to save him. Then the men went as a group to King Darius and said to him, Remember, your majesty, that according to the law of Medes and Persians, no decree 
that the king issues can be changed. So the king gave the order and brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den. The king said to Daniel, may your God whom you serve continually rescue you. We can see that King Darius didn't want to throw Daniel into the lion's den, but felt as though he had no choice when questioned by the leadership in his kingdom. It says in verse 18, then the king returned to his palace spent the night without eating and without any entertainment being brought to him and he could not sleep. As soon as day broke out, and this is my Celeste version to kind of break it down and summarize it all. Basically, as soon as the day broke, King Darius went out and he looked for Daniel and Daniel was alive and they was like, get him out of the lion's den. And he tossed those who were trying to accuse Daniel into the lion's den and then made a decree that everyone was to now serve Daniel's God. Like, no games were played. So not only did Daniel's decisions affect him, but it affected an entire kingdom. Daniel didn't focus on the opposition of the men or the kingdom. He continued prioritizing prayer to the one and only God. What's even more ironic is that as they're throwing Daniel into the lion's den, the king himself encouraged Daniel to trust his God. He says, may your God whom you serve continually rescue you. I believe Daniel stayed in faith in that lion's den. He chose to trust the Lord and God came through. Daniel chose to stay on the winning side. He didn't lean into defeat, even with the decree that he was not to pray to any other God. I don't know about you, but if that decree went for and I was told I was going to be thrown into a den of lions, I would hope that I would continue to prioritize prayer, that I wouldn't lean into the ideas or thoughts of defeat if I prayed or if I stayed consistent. But friends, we deal with this all the time. Like we unintentionally lean into defeat, but I'm here to tell you it's not worth it. You are going to come out on the winning side. Remain in faith. And so with that being said, we have one more story. And again, these are stories in the Old Testament. And I remember as a kiddo when I was learning these in kids church and these stories built my faith. They established really my faith and my trust in the Lord. And I don't know about you, but I'm very childlike and very imaginative when I hear these stories. Like I literally have pictures and almost like movies playing out in my head. And it just raises up in me a sense of belief and faith and trust that God is really who he says he is. And so I just wanted to add that in there. So this last story is about three young boys and their names are Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So I'm going to have you turn to Daniel chapter 3 verse 4. Then the herald loudly proclaimed, Nations and peoples of every language, this is what you are commanded to do. As soon as you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music, you must fall down and worship the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. So these three young men made a vow to only worship and pray to the one and only God. If we jump down to a couple scriptures, Daniel chapter 3 verse 11, it says, And that whoever does not fall down and worship will be thrown into a blazing furnace. But there are some Jews whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who pay no attention to you, your majesty. So basically you have some other people in leadership in this kingdom that are trying to get 
these three young men in trouble. And so they neither serve your gods nor worship the image of gold you have set up. Verse 13, furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king and Nebuchadnezzar said to them, is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold I've set up? Now, when you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music, if you are ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very good. But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? So this king is playing no games. He's coming for them. Verse 16 says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and his attitude towards them changed. He ordered the furnace heated over seven times hotter than usual and commanded some of the soldiers in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into a blazing furnace. So these men wearing their robes, trousers, turbans, and other clothes were bound and thrown into the blazing furnace. The king's command was so urgent and the furnace so hot that the flames of the fire killed the soldiers who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men firmly tied fell into the blazing furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? They replied, certainly your majesty. He said, look, I see four men walking around in the fire unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like a son of the gods. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire. Verse 27, and the satraps, prefects, governors, and royal advisors crowded around them. They saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was a hair of their heads singed, their ropes were not scorched, and there was no smell of fire on them. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angels and rescued his servants. They trusted in him and defied the king's command and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any god except their own god. Therefore, I decree that the people of any nation or language who say anything against the god of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be cut into pieces and their houses be turned into piles of rubble. For no other god can save in this way. Verse 30, then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. You see, these three young men did face opposition, but didn't focus on it. They prioritized a life of worship and prayer to God and were filled with faith, even to the point of death, that God would come through for them. They chose the offensive side. A couple common themes we see in these three stories are, they didn't focus on the opposition, what could happen. They prioritized what was important, diligently serving, worshiping, and praying to God, and not a man or statue. And then they had faith-filled confidence in God. They knew that no matter what, they would win. I don't know how many of you feel like you are in an impossible situation, but can I remind you, as a believer, you don't live for victory, you live from it. This will require you to stop focusing on the opposition, this family situation or work situation. Yes, use wisdom, but do not ruminate on it. This will also cause you to have to work on your drills. I'm not saying make prayer, worship, and going to church religious 
practice, but make it a priority. You should consistently be going back to what you know. It's the little things that make us ready to win. There's a saying, if you stay ready, you don't have to get ready. You see, we need to stay ready to win. How do you do that? You live in relationship with God, daily communicating with him and listening. Stay reading your word, not just the scriptures and stories you know, but new ones. And then wholeheartedly worshiping God. And then prayer can should be a consistent part of your life. If you're not praying with God, you're not communicating. If you're not communicating with him, you're not listening and hearing and obeying. But all that to say is work on your drills. Work on the things you know. Prioritize the things that are important. These things are important. And then last Lastly, you have to have confidence in God. I'm not saying cocky confidence, but a faith-filled confidence. Remind yourself of every time God has come through for you and how he will come through again. Our heart here at Coming Close is that we would inspire, equip, and encourage you to do all God wants you to do. God has so much more in store for you. We must first get an offensive stance in our hearts and heads. When Jesus said, it is finished, he was meaning the battle, the enemy, the war, the sin. It was defeated. We came out as winners, but now we have to live as winners. You see, the issue with the Israelites is that they got out of Egypt, but Egypt didn't get out of them. They were stuck in their old mindsets and couldn't move forward into all God had for them. I'm declaring today that we will not stay stuck in our opposition. We will not stay stuck in conforming to the world and we will keep our hearts and heads focused on Jesus and remind ourselves of his goodness and faithfulness. We will believe with big bold faith. We want to say thank you so much for tuning into the podcast. We're so thankful for the Coming Close community. We hope this episode encourages your heart and your head that you don't have to live for victory but you can live from it. Let's keep coming in close family. We love you and we will chat soon. If you haven't already, subscribe to Coming Close on Apple Podcasts or Spotify to get notifications about the launch of our next episode.